I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. We're the Ragamuffins, and we want to know what makes a perfect gig. So every episode, we're going to invite on a guest and have them book their dream gig from opener to headliner. On this episode, we talk to Jacob Andrews from Nala. We hear about how he joined the band, his experiences at BIM University, what it was like to be in an upcoming band during the pandemic, and much more. And if you want to see Nala live, their co-headline tour with Bleak Soul kicks off this week. Friday the 1st, London, the 2nd in Sheffield, the 3rd in Stoke, the 4th in Manchester, they're in Bristol on the 5th, and then they're ending up on the 7th at 2000 Trees Festival. And we'll be there. Yes, we will. But for now, let's hear Jacob's perfect gig. Okay, Jacob, welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, let's start, break, break the ice. What was the first gig you ever went to? Oh my God. I think it was a local one in Oxford. I used to go to this like rock school in Oxford. I was probably about nine years old. And it was, uh, they had metal nights every Saturday. And it was one of them. And it was a band called Desert Storm, who are still a band. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah, that yeah. was it. Were you in the pit? I was. And they they stopped it because there were a bunch of, like, ten-year-olds. <laughs> ten-year-olds pitting right in the middle. Yeah. And then they had us go all all upstage so that they could carry on the mosh pit. So oh, we what, were safe They were, they were like, stage. worried yeah. about you. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> And I thought I thought it was just because they wanted us on stage, but it was actually just because they so they could mosh without. No, no, you you, you believe that is yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> did you, have, nice did you end up having a band at that rock school? Oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Would you call it a band? Uh, not anymore, but at the time I certainly did. What was it? Um, we need a name. It must be a good name. We went through so many, but we were all into like the techie proggy stuff so it was I think at one point it was called Interventions nice. which just it's not bad like prog it metal. does <laughs> yep that one word long word with yeah, S on the exactly, end exactly yeah did you ever play any gigs? yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like regret right there as well did it they was not go like it, no it was like like summer fates and stuff like that just around Oxford but at the time I'm sure it, like I was having a great time but Probably if I listened back now, it'd be very interesting. But an important stage of my development <laughs> as a musician. <laughs> so then, um, take us back to when you joined Nala. Uh, yeah. How did it all come about? What attracted you to the band? And how did it all kind of start? They were actually already a band. It was, I think their, their drummer couldn't do something, basically. So Drum? Yeah, well. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, no, he was a very good drummer. He, he was in a lot of my classes. Um, it just, yeah, it happened to be that he couldn't do this one, which which happened to be their, their first single. So I went in there just purely like as a session drummer, basically. And I'd, I had no, I mean, I was I kind of wanted to join, but I never wanted to, like, it's, it wasn't really what I wanted to do, like the band route, but... Like at the time, it was like everyone was kind of talking about this new band called <laughs> Nala, uh, and then I went to see them. And I was like, "Oh, okay, like that's some you serious." Sold stuff. on the hype then. Yeah, and then I did the recording thing, and then their drummer kept not being able to do things, so um, he was in quite a few other bands, I think. So yeah, that's how it came about. 
I'm sure we'll come back to Nala in a bit, but let's go on to this lineup, shall we? What's the first band, your okay. opening band? I purposefully picked bands that I've never seen before, but I've always wanted to. That's cool. It's a good move. Um, <laughs> and it it gets progressively heavier. I like that. I so, like, yep. <laughs> okay, we're starting with a band called Dead Poet Society. Dead we, Poet Society. We just saw them at Download. Didn't we, we did. We just saw them at Download on Very the, the Dogtooth stage. They're pretty good. Yeah. What is it about them that you? Uh, they're different. They're very different, and his uh, voice is. I haven't really heard anything like that before, and I think um, the drummer as well, like the minimal setup, is something that I think could like is kind of going to be a trending thing at the moment. Um, yeah, because it definitely felt like there was a phase where drummers were having the most ridiculous kits. Yeah, and as I many drums and cymbals. I do. I always like picture of like Terry kit. Terry Bozio's kits of like ridiculous yeah. ones, Portnoy kits of everything. Just... Yeah, and like it, it comes with the genre sometimes, but also, yeah, I think it's the thing like what you can make out of what you have in front of you. You know, yeah, the whole sound it sounds so heavy but really minimalistic, which I really like. I don't think Alex knew of them before we saw them at Downer, did you? No. Um, but I, I said, oh, I'm going to go check out this band, Dead Poet Society. And you asked, Alex asked me, oh, what are they like? And I had to pause for a second. I really couldn't quite put my finger yeah. on it. In yeah. the end, I think I said Royal Blood, but different or something <laughs> along those lines. They're like Royal Blood's <laughs> evil twin Ooh. is how I would yeah. describe them. I think that's a good description. Was there like and a particular song or album that kind of first drew you to them? The first song I heard was Swarm, which is, I think I think it's a fretless baritone guitar that he uses. I think. And I don't know if you guys have heard that song, but it's like, he's it's the riff is just sliding, like constant sliding. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's one of their more out there songs. And um it's just crazy. Yeah, I've never heard something like that before. So, and that's only to open. That's, so. a, <laughs> that's, a, great, that's a great start to be fair. They're an interesting band as well. They've only been around, they've been around like for years, but it's only like the last couple of years that they seem to have actually yeah. finally blown up and got some attention. Yeah, That was cool to see. Which is great. Great opening band. Let's circle back to BIM for a, for a bit. Okay. Um, just tell us a bit about what drew you to go into BIM and what your experience was like, especially for people listening that might maybe be wanting to pursue music but not sure like if that's yeah. the route to go down if it's something you'd recommend i definitely recommend it i mean every connection i've made really or most of the connections have been through bim when it was time to look at like unis and colleges that was my only choice that i put down but it was to do production originally because i thought it would be safer a safer option but yeah to anyone who would think about pursuing music I'd say you know shoot for what you want to do and because you can always you know go back to things and but you know nine times out of ten if you put enough effort into it then one you'll have a good time because you're doing what you love and um, also you know there's other avenues that I feel like I can now go down it's not just like like I want to do the the whole like session route and studio work and stuff like that and teaching and I've got the band as well but also like there's nothing really stopping me from doing production just because I didn't do it yeah so 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 what course did you switch to 
so I switched to drums, the like performance course. So at BIM, you can, it's all the same course, except it will be in your discipline. So like guitar, bass, vocals, drums, whatever, or songwriting. And yeah, I, it was such a last minute switch, but I'm so glad I did it. I can't fault the course at all. From hearing you playing drums at sick form to what you, you can do now, definitely, yeah. I think being there probably pushed you like way beyond what you thought yeah. you could do. So, And that's how you met Nana as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, such a big part of it as well. And like, that was all from the way that BIM is set up. Um, they kind of have this end of term gig every term. And... Um, you'll audition for it and the way that me and Ren the singer and Nala met is through that um we did a cover of a Metallica song I think we didn't get the gig <laughs> <laughs> but um I kept hearing about this singer who does like heavy stuff finally we met and then he was like yeah we've been in the same class for like the last year <laughs> had no like, realization on that yeah that's because that's because he hasn't been to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's when we met um, and we got on straight away and it was like, yeah, we're obviously going to be friends now and, you know, he did a pretty good James Hetfield impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Yeah, exactly. So if we circle back round to this perfect gig then. Yeah. Band number two, go. Spirit Box. Tell us more. Like, when did you first find them? If I'm not on Spotify, then I'm looking at, like, music videos and stuff. It was the same for Dead Poets Society. And then Spirit Box, I saw their song Holy Roller, which is, like, insane. Tune. Absolutely yeah. tune. It's a tune. And also the music video, I think uh, a couple months before Midsummer had come out. And it was just, like, yeah, similar theme. Major. Yeah midsummer vibes which i love so yeah and then they've got this whole electronic sounding thing as well um especially in that song they've kind of got this drum break which is really cool and yeah i've heard great things about them live we can testify we they're an, they're another they're band downloads. that we've seen it download <laughs> first uk show they performed and it was incredible was it i didn't yeah. know that yeah it was like almost suffocating to be in the crowd because normally when there's like a pit if you don't want to be in the pit, you can take a step back and just watch. Yeah. But the tent was so packed that like you couldn't move. There were people outside wanted to, to watch. Move, yeah. Really. Everyone had to, you had yeah. to be involved whether I you mean, wanted to be or not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they've created a lot of hype. Probably. I mean, this must be on purpose to then do a their first UK show and just completely smash it. Yeah. Which it sounds like they did. They were originally meant to be on the smallest stage at Download as well, in really? the tiny little dog tooth tent. Which and they got promoted to the Avalanche tent, which is like maybe three times the size, yeah. and and there were still, still people yeah, outside have, the tent they, they that didn't get on, in. Like, one of the open air stages, like second yeah. stage, so that yeah. they could accommodate more people. But yeah, any songs like if you because you're in charge of this whole thing, you can curate their set list. Is there any like particular songs like anything from Eternal Blue? You're like, I need to see that yeah. live. I mean, the whole thing really. Just play um, Eternal Blue in full. The one with Sam Carter, Yellow Jacket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is just ridiculous. Like, that's probably up there of my all-time, like, heavy songs. Oh, wow. The whole of Eternal Blue. Just play it from start to finish. Yeah. Just just give us and that album. I'd like to hear that one twice. In fact, <laughs> just play that song. Like, just do, like, a half-hour version of it. Great. Yellow, Yellow Jacket and um, Holy Roller. 
bringing things forward again to late 2019, it felt like Nala had a bit of momentum going. Things were starting to look up again. And then global pandemic hits. Yeah. We've heard what it's like for big bands to deal with that. They were mm. all doing live streams and things like that. What were small bands doing? What was it like I mean, to be in kind of an upcoming band? Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> um, it, we were kind of... like At first, we were kind of searching for kind of what to do to towards like our manager and everyone around us, basically. At that point, we had... Um, uh, United Talent that we've just um, kind of partnered up with but we look to them for answers of what to do like should we be doing live streams and stuff like that but no one would like prepare for that no. you know so like obviously our manager's not going to know exactly what to do that's going to keep a band going um, we did a couple live streams and we did a like a live stream show at a venue in Brighton but even then like you know, the cost of doing that, stuff like that. And we spent a lot of the time writing because that's all we could do, really. And, uh, yeah, it was still, like, people are still coming back from it. We have had stuff that we haven't released, which has now been recorded for, like, so long, which I get, like, in a way that makes it a bit, that'll make it a bit more special when it does come out because we've been waiting for that long. But, um, yeah, it was a struggle, like, I would, wasn't actually able to play drums. So, like, not being able to play on top of not being able to gig is a big thing. And I think, you know, you, you can't help but think that you'd be further along as a band yeah. than, you, than you are, you know. Reality just completely taken away from you. Yeah. And you had no choice in the matter with it as well. So that's yeah. not going to be easy in the slightest. I think, I mean, I'm speaking from experience, like, I think a lot of people give themselves a hard time because you know, you're not as far along as you want to be as a band or as a, like, in your career or whatever. But you've got to think, like, we, like, lost out on two years of just, like, development. Um, and, yeah, for me, practice as well, which was a big thing. I mean, I had a practice pad, which in, in, a, in a way was quite good because I was, like, glued to that, basically. But, what was that feeling like when you got behind the kit again for the first time in uh, a while? I mean, I think... I'd actually just, as soon as I was able to, I got um, my studio space that I've got. Like It's kind of like a lockup, like a 24-hour thing that my kit's permanently set up in. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I spent the whole day drumming, basically, you know. And it wasn't like rudiments or anything to a click. It was just playing. Like, Did it all come back to you straight away or uh, did it take some time? I mean, the pad work helped, to be fair. I really developed some discipline in, in lockdown, which was good. Another thing that was lost during lockdown was that you guys were booked for 2000 Trees back in 2020. Yeah. But now you're finally going to be playing it this year. I know. How does that feel? <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, a long way. Again, it's like it kind of makes it a bit that bit more special. And um, yeah, so I've actually never been to 2000 Trees. Um, I was obviously I was meant to go that year. Yeah, it's just gonna be a bit surreal, a bit more surreal than it otherwise would have been, just because it's been such a long time. Okay then, so band number three, Ginger. Ooh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting we're getting. I I would say Ginger are heavier than Spirit Box. They're a bit different, but they're a bit more 
I don't know. They hit a bit harder, I think. They've been a, a band that I've wanted to see for so long. Longer than Spirit Box and Dead Poets Society. Mm. I quite like their journey as a band. And th- they've got songs that are drastically different. Uh, and the singer's vocal capability is just insane. Very diverse. Like, it's and, yeah. and I've seen like videos live as well, which like she she carries it live as well like the tran- the changing from like intense screaming to singing like really high choruses is just insane and I'd love to see that live any specifics for the set that you'd want uh i speak astronomy which is i think it's one of their older ones but um there's a blast beat in it which is just something out of hell like it's <laughs> Um, Pisces as well that's that's a chiller one but I mean I say more chill but then how chill can you go yeah when the chorus comes around it's like whoa like a wall of sound again so I'm gonna be the one as well which I think that was the first one I'd heard by them I think the live video for that like was quite big on YouTube at the time yeah like that was the one where I kind of saw her vocal capability and it was just insane you're a session drummer now uh, yeah <laughs> I'm trying to be yeah. how did you get into that so that's the thing that i've kind of always wanted to do i got it still building i'm quite lucky with who i know because of bim my friends own a studio in brighton what's the name of the studio it's called south lane studios the owners one of them's a producer um and he, it's it's basically like, if he has an artist that doesn't have a permanent band, then they'll ask me. Session dr- like session musicians in general have always kind of, I've always seen them as like, they're like the top of their game basically. Um, I think you know if you're wanting to go down the band route, you don't necessarily have to know, like everything. The biggest thing is part writing for being in a band, whereas you know. You, like doing session work you need to be able to kind of think on your on the spot a little bit at the end of the day you're working for the artist you you're not the artist so you know you can add your own creative expression and stuff but you've also got to be able to take direction yeah. which is a big thing and also i guess adapt to loads of different styles yeah yeah within yeah. nala you play like you know what you're doing yeah and you know what the sound is but have you done any like genres that are a bit different then Back in uni, there was a module called Studio Musicianship, which was like a big one for anyone wanting to do session stuff. And I remember like the the exam for it, you, you, they basically get you into a studio, give you a track and you'll play it like how you think it should sound. And then they'll go back and say, can you do like a one drop here or like a fill there or like give you more and it it will get more and more like like pinpointing exactly what yeah. they want and now you know i've done a couple like function gigs and stuff like that where basically the majority of the set is reggae and stuff so i think the best way to or i've found the best way to learn new genres and stuff is one get into the music of it like get like listen to the the big ones in that genre and also like expi- like in the moment you know putting you on the spot will do a lot you know like um 
that's a great way to learn that I found as well. Like actually being in the moment, being told to do that on the spot makes you really think. Did you ever think, James, back when you were teaching Jacob to play drums <laughs> that he'd be doing reggae? I did not think that back in the day, no. No, we, we, we Massive stayed away throwback. From We did. We, we, yeah. we did not delve into that path. I did not expect the reggae to come out. No. <laughs> I mean, me neither at that point. Like, I was so set in my ways in that genre. Mm. Like, yeah, I mean, Slipknot, Avenged Sevenfold, all that stuff. Classics. Yeah. Classics. And I still, I still love that genre. And like, I do love playing heavier stuff as well but yeah like that's another thing that i've learned throughout my time at bim and just doing music for this long like um learning to appreciate other genres and do you think that helps you improve as a musician as well yeah. by like delving into a few different genres yeah i think like even if like i i was learning um jazz for like a good year or so like like really delving into it which i'd never done before and uh, I really noticed it in just my general playing, like not just um, not just jazz stuff, like it, even stuff in Nala, like because all the motions and stuff, it's it it carries out throughout every style. You know, it's not jazz is is a bit different, but that's just like you just got to think differently. And um, yeah, there's no style or genre or technique that can't be passed through every genre, and that's also how you know fusing different genres are made as well like yeah. that's how that's how it's done it's how you can stand out as a drummer as well just like yeah. pulling different things from different parts yeah makes you different with it all right jacob let's hear the headline of your perfect game all right my sugar oh and wow. i cannot believe i've never seen them before you know as a drummer obviously thomas hark is incredible I feel like they would put on for a headliner. I'd want someone to put on like a show, you know. You want that pyro? Yeah, which want... I know that they would deliver on. So, yeah, and it would be ridiculously heavy. You know, I was saying we're going up in terms of <laughs> heaviness, and my sugar, I'd say, is the peak. Where did you first discover them? I actually don't know. I think I remember you talking about bleed in school. Yeah, I think it was that. I think it was just like. That song, like, this is probably with with everything like like that. Um, I remember like a couple of songs that we'd look at, Dream Theater songs especially, where we'd look and just be like, "How is that done?" And like, yeah, I think just from a young mind, um, looking at songs like that, it's just like it really amazes you. Really, like I was, you know, and and again, like coming from a heavy background. Uh, with a lot of double pedal work and like odd time signatures and stuff like I just really didn't know what to make of it and that that was like my idea of peak musicality like that's as good as it gets which I still think like in the genre they are as good as it gets have you ever been able to play bleed do you know what I <laughs> so no <laughs> there's, like, there's like story behind this but um, yeah, I was kind of working at it for a time. So yeah, but like I've seen interviews and stuff and Thomas Hark has like, like it took him months to learn and stuff like that. So even to do that, like writing a part that you can't play <laughs> and like taking the time to learn it, like that's also a great way to like develop. So with Nala, you've released some singles. You've kind of said that you really recorded some stuff during the lockdowns as well. Mm. how much can you say on any like future releases you say you've kind of got the tour coming up as well 
what's kind of coming up in the future? Okay, I'll say that some cool stuff will be happening. That's fine. <laughs> around the tour. We like cool stuff. So very tour. soon. Very soon. Like, so it's the first week of July is, that, yeah. is when the tour is happening. Yeah. On our socials, that will be talked about next week. Plug the socials. What are yeah, they? Go Nara for it. Official on Instagram. I mean, we only really use Instagram at the moment. Um, or Twitter. You know, it's all Nala official everywhere. And yeah, it will be... Uh, there's very exciting stuff, which is very soon. And we've literally been, you know, working on stuff like this for God knows how long. You know, we haven't released in so long. So it's been a long time coming and it's uh, means a lot. Where's your heavy lineup going to be played? I mean, I would always choose a festival setting. And uh, it's open air, which is really nice if you're in a mosh pit. I'm sure you guys know. Need that, need that air, need yeah. that oxygen coming in. <laughs> you're about to say Whitney Music Festival, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't a festival, it would probably be Ali Pali. Just because you need, you need a lot of space for, for something like that. Have you seen people at Ali Pali before? Uh, do you know what? I've only ever been once and it was Nothing But Thieves and Demob Happy. Demob Happy I was basically there for because, yeah, we kind of have run into each other on occasion and that was the first time seeing them and they're, they're a great, great Brighton band. Do you have a specific like festival location in mind or do you want to make a brand new one for this? Jacob's um, Festival. Yeah, Jacob's <laughs> Festival. Yeah, I, I think it would have to be its own thing. Like... Oh, if it was on Brighton Beach, that would be You great. have the power. You, you like, right. yes, okay. it's on Brighton, Brighton Beach. Beach. It's like T4 on the beach. But <laughs> Jacob metal. on the beach. Fatboy Slim did a very famous show there. And I think he's doing one this year as well, like a comeback thing. So it would basically be that, but heavy. Very. Very heavy. <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be sick. Nice. So, Jacob, let's recap. <laughs> You've got Dead Poet Society, Spirit Box, Ginger, headlined by Meshuggah, at your very own open air festival on Brighton Beach. Yeah. Happy And winner? enter Shikari as a DJ set afterwards. Ooh, oh, there you nice. go. Nice little, little bonus. bonus. All that heaviness, you've got all that out of your system. I feel like what I'd want to do after that is just listen to some pop music and dance, Party time dance the night away. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, yeah. Well, that sounds like a very, lo- very lovely gig. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in, Jacob. No worries. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Love you.